So, uh, yeah, by the way, who's, who's in the small groups right now? Who's, who's been going through the 20 basics? Has it been a good discussion in your homes? Nice. That's good. <laughs> and everyone's getting, you know, depending on how quickly the conversation's been going, it's like everyone's getting to different places at different times. So some groups are like way ahead. Some groups are like, they're still wrestling with like number six or whatever. And, um, or maybe some got to the midpoint, which is always a fun one. But, uh, but basically, I mean, this series has been, has been awesome. I, I think it's been great. Um, I think it's important to wrestle with what God says through his word, uh, how we interpret it, and what we already believe about life. I think, I think when we kind of wrestle with all that stuff, that, that combination of what God's word says, how we, how we interpret it, and then how we live it out, uh, I mean, it's a great combination. It's like sticking all these things in a shotgun and pulling the trigger and, you know, seeing what happens, really, because it's... Uh, you know, you get different people, different beliefs, different, well, this is how I read it, and this is what this, you know, and so it's, it's interesting, but I think that's awesome to go through this series and, and figure out what do I believe and why. We should never just go through life just believing just because it was an opinion of ours or it was something someone once told us. We need to dig into God's Word and really wrestle with these things, and it's good to do this with other people so we don't get so... Uh, Yeah, we get stuck in our own way, yeah. But this topic uh, today, justification and adoption, this is probably the, my, my most favorite out of this series that we do, and so I'm kind of excited to be able to teach on it today. But this idea of justification and adoption, the, the big, big words, but it really takes some radical understanding to grasp um, as we get into this. Out of all religions... Christianity has always been the most controversial in how someone is what we would call right with God, okay? It's like most religions, philosophies, they lean towards the idea that, you know, you work your way to God. You know, there's something you can do to please God. There's something in you or the the good works that you do, right? Isn't that like a lot of people you know feel that way? You know, there's always the the justification of why they're, why they are, aren't a good person or are, aren't a bad person. There's this thought process they have. And I think we know how that goes. Usually something along the lines of, you know, oh, well, I, you know, I serve in the food pantry. So, you know, me and God are pretty good. Or, or, you know, the, you know, I've been going to church the last couple Sundays. So God, you know, God and I, we're, we're doing pretty well these days. Or, you know, I haven't had a drink in a couple months, so obviously me and God are pretty tight. You know, like, it's like these different things. Or, or I, love the, I love the good one where it's, well, I, I've never killed anyone. That, that guy gets the blue ribbon. You know, it's like, it's like they haven't killed anyone, therefore they're good. It's, it's like this blanket, this blanket statement. But I think everyone's desire is to somehow relate to something outside of themselves. There is that, there is that need, that desire to, to feel like they're part of a greater purpose, you know. And, and I think this is where being in a right relationship with God comes in. There's that, you know, many pastors' teachings, you know, like where people have said, there's, there's a God-sized hole in your life, and only God can fill it. In Romans 5, 
verse 1, Paul writes, Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. That word justified in the Greek, it means to render or to regard as innocent, uh, just, uh, to be righteous. This is like a, this is such a controversial theological statement right here. It's like this idea that by faith through Jesus Christ, we can be just, we can be justified and have peace with God. It's a very rich topic. It's a very, it, it, this, the Bible as a whole is really the only way to really understand this idea of being justified, like being right with God. And so I want to dig into a few scriptures today, but before we get into that, let's pray and uh, ask God to, to be here. Oh, Father, I thank you for your word. I thank you that we get the opportunity as a church to, to gain understanding and wisdom from you. I thank you, God, that we are a group here who knows that, Lord, you are our only hope. God, you, you are what we need in life. And so I ask that you would speak today, Lord. I ask, God, you would use your word to pierce deep down. It would, it would just um, pierce the deepest parts of our heart, Lord. I ask God that any understanding we didn't have coming into today, I ask God that there would be understanding, Lord. I pray that there would be freedom. I ask God that if there's any part of us that feels that we are far from you, Lord, I just pray, God, today, would you draw us near to yourself? I pray you would draw us near to yourself, Lord, and I pray that you would lead me to even say something today that I didn't plan on saying. I pray, Holy Spirit, speak in this place. In Jesus' name, amen. So I'm going to read out of Galatians chapter 2, beginning in verse 15, and my uh, scriptures are out of the ESV, and if you don't have a Bible, we have some over on the table. Um, So Galatians chapter 2, beginning verse 15, thank you. So Paul writes this, we ourselves are Jews by birth and not Gentile sinners, yet we know that a person is not justified by works of the law, but through faith in Jesus Christ. So we also have believed in Christ Jesus in order to be justified by faith in Christ and not by works of the law, because by works of the law, no one will be justified. But if in our endeavor to be justified in Christ, we too were found to be sinners, is Christ then a servant of sin? Certainly not. For if I rebuild what I tore down, I prove myself to be a transgressor. For through the law, I died to the law so that I might live to God. I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. I do not nullify the grace of God, for if righteousness were through the law, then Christ died for no purpose. So a little, a little background here. Paul, the book of Galatians, is written during the first century the Apostle Paul, who planted churches throughout the Roman Empire, he had, he had a particularly warm reception uh, to his preaching in the area of the Roman Empire called Galatia. Uh, Galatia is found today in, like, southern, I think it's south-central Turkey. Uh, and the Gentiles were latched. When I say Gentiles, I mean non, the non-Jews. 
The Gentiles there were latched onto Paul's message of salvation by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone. They received the gospel enthusiastically. It, this, this message that Paul was preaching was an amazing message to them. And so God showed up in their midst, and they were seeing miracles in the church, and everyone was happy, growing. The church was flourishing. And then the Apostle Paul left, and after he left the church to continue his preaching and church planting ministry and other places, some opponents of Paul came in and told these new Christian believers in Galatia that the Apostle Paul gave them half a message. Okay? Yes, you need to believe in Jesus Christ. Yes, of course. Yes, yes. We, we understand that from what Paul said. We have no problem with that. But in addition... In addition, if you want to be a full member of God's people, you also need to practice circumcision, and you need to, uh, what is it, the, uh, the food, I'm trying to think of what it's called, but the food cleanliness laws, things like that. You need to celebrate the Sabbath. There were things that you needed to do in addition to believing. It wasn't enough to believe in Jesus, to be, to be justified. So, so Paul went up to Jerusalem. He had got the agreement with all the other apostles. They all agreed on this message. But, you know, it's grace through faith in Christ alone. And they supported this. And so, but these opponents, they were like, they're like vampires. It's like, they just like, they're like dead, but they won't go away. And so they keep coming back with this message of, no, it's, it's Jesus and these other things. You have to do these other things as well to be right with God. And so... Anyways, they, they, they put so much pressure on Peter and the other leaders in the church. They, they even, they put so much pressure on Peter and I think even uh, Barnabas, where they actually separated themselves from the Gentile Christians at one point because of the message they were preaching. And so Paul had to confront Peter and Barnabas. And so it says this in Galatians 2.14, the, the verse preceding what we just read. It says, Paul writes, But when I saw that their conduct was not in step with the truth of the gospel, I said to Cephas, Peter, before them all, If you, though a Jew, live like a Gentile and not like a Jew, how can you force the Gentiles to live like the Jews? What's up, Peter? Didn't we agree on this message? Didn't we receive the same message? So Paul called Peter out in front of everyone, basically. That's some good church, some good church discipline for you. But from P Peter's standpoint, even though there had been this radical shift in living through Christ, there was still overwhelming pressure to live the Jewish way, live by the law, to live by the law and live by their customs. And they truly believed that following their religious acts was somehow tied into godly living. That it was that, it was not godly living necessarily, but just to be, again, the issue is justification. It's being declared righteous before God. Now, long before this took place, God addressed how he saw religious acts, religious works in righteousness through Isaiah the prophet. I think we do have that. Isaiah uh, chapter 64, beginning in verse 1. And it says this, Oh, that you would rend the heavens and come down, that the mountains might quake at your presence, as when fire kindles brushwood and the fire causes water to boil, 
to make your name known to your adversaries, and that the nations might tremble at your presence. When you did awesome things that we did not look for, you came down. The mountains quaked at your presence. From of old, no one has heard or perceived by the ear. No eye has seen a God besides you who acts for those who wait for him. You meet him who joyfully works righteousness, those who remember you in your ways. Behold, you were angry, and we sinned. In our sins we have been a long time, and shall we be saved? We have all become like one who is unclean, and all our righteous deeds are like a polluted garment. We all fade like a leaf, and our iniquities like the wind take us away. So in this prophetic declaration, God's view of what we can do for him, uh, apart from him, is not a compliment to us. Okay? Verse 6 is brutal. Verse 6 is brutal. We have all become like one who is unclean. Now, during the time Jesus ministered on the earth, and even preceding that, the idea of being unclean in Jewish culture was nothing less than detestable. Um, you can go through Leviticus especially, but many references in the Old Testament scriptures where they describe what it meant to be unclean. Um, you know, if you, if you touched anything unclean, you were then unclean. If you touched someone who touched something that was unclean, you were then unclean. This is like this ridiculous domino effect. I mean, it's overwhelming to think of living in that, under that, under the law, like just under that um, vice. And so, I mean, even just reading it is overwhelming, let alone living in it. But you'd have to go through ceremonial cleansing. and I mean, just all these things to get clean again. Just to get clean again. Um, I know Dix talked about this before, but the, the lepers, even in Jesus' day, you know, like, you know, when Jesus cleansed the leper, it was an amazing thing because then they didn't have to go around proclaiming unclean, unclean, you know, like covering, I think like covering their face in some way, you know, like just a humiliating thing when you were unclean. And... It, there was this separation that happened. There was this, you, you, were, you were once in community, and now you can't be in community. You can't be in fellowship. You're, you're being distanced. You're, you have this separation going on. And so this is what we get with the idea of being unclean, this separation. And the ESV is nice. I mean, it says our righteous deeds are like a polluted garment. I mean, that's pretty polite. Um, many translations say our righteousness is like filthy rags. Um, you know, the Hebrew word referring to this is, is some people know this, some don't. It's, it's basically comparing the item a woman uses when she's cleaning from her time of menstruation. I mean, that, that's trying to be, was that nice enough? You know what? <laughs> I, you know, I don't know. But it's not very endearing to say the least. God's like, this is, this is how I view your righteous deeds. Like, what you think is your righteousness, that it's, it's, it's gross. Here's the thing. God did not want us to stay unclean. He did not want anyone to stay that way. It was of no benefit or satisfaction to him that someone be unclean and be separated, be disfellowshipped. It doesn't bless God for that to happen. In his goodness and his faithfulness to the covenant that he promised that he originally made with Abraham, he would bring many to himself, and he would call many his children. God remained faithful to his end of the bargain to cleanse us, to bring us in, 
from separation. And so he sends his son into the world. And as uh, Pastor Dick spoke several weeks ago, I think it was on the atonement, you know, on the atonement, discussing that, a lot of discussion revolves around Jesus' death on the cross. He died for our sins, but it often does get overlooked that he also lived an obedient and righteous life before God. He actually fulfilled the law. He, he did all the stuff we could not do. He lived a sinless life. And because of his obedience, we now reap the benefits. We now reap the benefits of new life by faith. You see that Jesus does the work and a gift from God to us is we believe in what he did. That's radical. That's radical. And it's how God planned it. It's not, this is not wisdom of this world. That is very contrary to how people would kind of process the idea of being right with God and how one comes into relationship with, with the Father and it's not because of any deed we've done or could ever do. It's because of his faithfulness. It, it is rooted in his faithfulness. Because of his faithfulness to his promise, it is now by faith that we are justified in God's sight. It's, we, are, we have faith in Jesus Christ. Excuse me. And that's, this is apart from anything we could ever do. It's apart from anything we could ever do. Paul writes this in 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Uh, he says, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away, the new has come. All this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them, and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ, God making his appeal through us. We implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. For our sake, he made him to be sin, who knew no sin, that in him we might become the righteousness of of God. That last verse, like when you read that, that should make your head go like, like bah, with confusion and happiness. And <laughs> Jesus, who knew no sin, no sinless, no sin, no sin. That means he did not sin. That means he had no sin. There was nothing sinful to be found in him at all. He became sin itself. He embodied sin. Paying the full penalty, the full penalty of God's wrath on a cross so that we would not be consumed by God's anger. I think I had, I read, I had written it there. Wow. <laughs> like, at this point in our studies, like, like this is what theologians which I'm, I've been drawing upon a lot because it's interesting. The, uh, they would call the great exchange. I love that term, the great exchange. It re it's like, I mean, now who, who here knows what it's like to be forgiven? You know what it's like to be forgiven, right? It, it doesn't change everything. It changes everything. You know that feeling, right? The, the verse in Scripture, you read it, it's like, while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. You're like, again, wow. You know, wow. 
I mean, that means something, right? There's something that happens when you've been forgiven. You, you know that it's not because of who you are or what you've done or anything you could ever do. It's everything about who he is and what he has done. There's like this aha, like the light came on, the veil was torn back, and now I, I was blind and now I see. Well, it's not just the fact that Christ took our sin. If it was just a matter of taking away our sin, that would be, that would be in, it would be considered an incomplete. Because it's only the first half of the equation. If it was all about just cleansing me of sin, I would still be empty. There would still be something I need. In the last verse, for our sake, he made him to be sin who knew no sin, that in him we might become the righteousness of God. When you place your faith in Christ and the work of Christ, his obedient life as a man and his willful act of dying on a cross, he not only forgives you and cleanses you of your sins, he gives you his righteousness. You become the righteousness of God. Again, like, wow. (laughs) Remember earlier, your own righteousness is like filthy rags. God takes that and makes you a whole new thing. You are new. (laughs) You are new. Can I say that over anyone who's feeling condemned today? You are new. (laughs) You are new in him. You have a new path to tread. You've been forgiven. It means you can move on. It means you can move on. I mean, here we have God the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. They have perfect communion with each other. Uh, I know Dick likes the term, the divine dance, you know, the Trinity, just this this perfect community they have with each other. And, and, and they, it's, it's enveloped in righteousness. It's, 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 it's the foundation of his throne is righteousness and justice. And that same righteousness God has in himself, we now have. Like now I can stand before God just like God stands before himself. How amazing is that? Like, can you even comprehend his love and his faithfulness? (laughs) He knew that he would make a way for us. I love this. To be able to come before him, that would be pleasing to him. He knew he would make that way. And it happened through the obedience of his son who we worship, who we give glory to, so so that we might become sons and daughters. You know, adoption, I, I kind of wondered, I was like, man, like, you know, this, the book, it's like they're putting all this stuff together. I'm like, how are you going to do, you know, it's like justification and adoption. And I was like, well, I mean, you could talk about either one of them, but going through this, I mean, I see how inextricably linked they are because the purpose of being right with God is to become his child, is to come back into that fellow. That's the, that's the whole reason. The whole reason of being right with God is so I can have that relationship with Father. I can have that relationship with Him again that I did not have. I mean, when I think of the idea of being a child of God, I, I'm just, I'm overwhelmed. The, this whole thing is overwhelming to me. I don't know if it is for you. It's overwhelming. But in His love, His perfect plan for us, He called us out of darkness. He called, it's like this transfer, like you were in darkness, okay, now you're in light. Just like that. 
to be right before him, justified in his sight, no longer to be slaves to sin and death, but to be a child of God. Paul writes this in Galatians chapter 4, in, uh, beginning in verse 1. I mean that the heir, as long as he is a child, is no different from a slave, though, his, though he is the owner of everything, but he is under guardians and managers until the day set by his father. In the same way, we also, when we were children, were enslaved to the elementary principles of the world. But when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son, born of woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law, so that we might receive adoption as sons. And because you are sons, God has sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father, so you are no longer a slave but a son. And if a son, then an heir through God. By the way, this can be changed sons and daughters. Don't have to be too legal about it. But this idea of God being father is a tough one for many people. Still is. I mean, like God's doing stuff in our hearts, right? God's still, he's making us new. He's made us new. He's making us new. He will make us new. You know, and I know many of you here are with me on this one. I mean, for me, it was a tough one. Um, you know, and it's, it's no surprise that there are just many who just cannot come to grips with this idea of, you mean if I just place my faith in Jesus and what he did, then I'm right with God? Like, I can be a child of God. He's my father. Like, what? It's too overwhelming of a statement. It really is. I mean, when, um, when Jenny and I were first coming back uh, here after we got married, I think it was back in uh, 05 or 06, we, we had a group that went out to uh, Ohio for a vineyard. We were just kind of making the transition into the vineyard movement, and uh, we went out to Ohio for a vineyard conference where they were, uh, I don't know, it was... Or maybe called like Fresh Fire or something. I think, was that it? Yeah. And uh, it was just like on healing and hearing from God and praying for the sick and, and you, know, you know, supernatural ministry, naturally, naturally supernatural, of course. And so we ended up uh, in a time, I think it was the first or second day we were there in Ohio. And, and each night they had had a great time of worship and, uh, you know, oh, they had someone speaking on one of the specific topics there. And every night, kind of like we do here, you know, is that they would have ministry time. They would have people come up and they'd say, we have people ready to pray. We have people ready to minister to you. And we believe God wants to speak and God's going to do some healing. And, you know, it was, it was a great time. It was a great time. And it was, I think for us who went, it was a really like, it was kind of like a solid moment where we were like, okay, we're, we're on the right track. God, you know, the vineyard, we're, we're, we're tracking. And for me, at this point, I've only been in the Lord a year-ish, two years maybe, and I ended up at the point where um, I went forward because there was a lot of question marks on what we were doing. We were just kind of coming in here. We'd just come from another church, and really we're seeking guidance from the Lord. And so I went up for prayer, and I just kind of stood there for a while, and one guy came up to me and started praying for me, and then he started prophesying over me about the, the season that I was in, he's like, oh, I can tell you're a worship leader. He's like, I just saw you with a guitar, so that's kind of where I went. He's like, you know, I see your, your church in a time of transition, and I, I see you being a part of that. And I was like, okay, well, that's cool. That's true. And so, um, you know, they're, they're just like different things. Another guy came up, gave me almost the same prophetic word with a few different details. And I was like, okay, so I think I, I think God's in that, you know, like he's been speaking to me and resonates with me. Okay. So I had another guy come up. I'm ready to go back. And like another guy 
comes up. I, I had just been kind of waiting there, still just waiting, hearing from the Lord. And um, I ended up uh, getting prayer from this guy who, he just comes over to me nonchalantly and says, I think I'm supposed to pray for you. I was like, sure, I've already been getting prayer. I'll, I'll take some more. Why not? So, so he comes up to me and starts praying for me. And, and he just starts speaking things over me like, I was just like, how does this guy know this? You know, and, uh, and he, he, you know, was starting to say things like, you know, and, and God, you know, he just, he just wants to pour his love into you. He knows that, you know, you, you know, you've been without your father for many years, and like, he just wants to be your father, and, and all this stuff about being my father, and I'm like, what the heck, like, what is this, you know, like, you know, like, he's just, he's just saying, he didn't, he didn't do the, the courtesy, like, you know, you know, is there something going on in your family, you know, like, like, he didn't try to, like, dig, he didn't try to, like, dig into it, like, you know, like, are you going through a rough time in life right now, you know, like, trying to, like, get something out of me, so you can, you know, I mean, he was just like, yep, your father left you, and God loves you, and, like, this happened, and this is what's going to happen, and I was like, holy smokes, like, this is, this is wild. For me, that was such a pivotal point in my life. I look back on that. It really was like a hinge point for me because of the fact that here I was, you know, even at that time, like I wouldn't admit at the time, but I was really struggling with a lot of identity and security issues. And I was just like, man, I just, I just don't know God. I mean, like I know him, like I've come to faith and feel like I've been justified. I feel like I'm right with God. I feel like my sins have been forgiven, you know. But there was like that next step God wanted to bring me into of experience of, you know, yes, I've made you right. I've, you know, by faith, you are now right with me. And now it's time to be my son. And that, you know, it was like the, the being right with God changed everything. And then like becoming a son changed everything. <laughs> it was like he changed everything again. And I think that's what God desires to do with all of us, is to bring us into that relationship where we're like, oh, he really is my father. Like, yes, I have my earthly father, or maybe I didn't, and maybe, that's a, and maybe that's a struggle. But he is my father. He loves me so much. I can go to him for approval. I can go to him for affection. I can go to him in time of need. And just looking at these scriptures, like, talk about the inheritance and the heir. And, you know, I mean, I'm just thinking, like, at this point, I'm like, man, if there's an inheritance, like, I want it. <laughs> I, I mean, if they, like, seriously, like, God gave his son so that I may have life, life to the full. Um, I want it. I want whatever he'll give me. It's like, God, whatever you'll give me, I'll take it. If, if I'm really your son, like, I, I'll take it all. Like, whatever, whatever you want to give me, I'll have it. I don't want to sit back and be passive on the sidelines in life. And I think that's where we can look at the studies we've been doing. And I hope this is what's been going on with each and every one of you is that you don't just get into these discussions or things and like, oh, we're talking about the Bible. It's like, there should be something going on in you that's like, man, this gets me like fired up. Like the fact that I'm right with God and I'm his son, I'm his daughter. Like he's changed everything. Like I now have his righteousness that he has himself. Like, wow, that should change a lot of things in my life. It should bring me from one degree of glory to another, which I think Bart will preach on here soon. But the but just that idea of it should bring about a hope and, and a passion. And a passion, not, not just knowing these things, but living it out, really experiencing it and being like, man, this is, this is just too amazing for me to even comprehend. Like everything in life should change. I just, I think being right with God, it, it makes you look differently at life. It makes you look at things differently. There's, things can never be the same. 
I can't even imagine living like I used to before Christ came into my life. It's hard to even go back. Like, I can kind of vaguely remember, but it doesn't have the same sting as when I was in it. You know? There's something about when you've been adopted in and you've, you're now family, it's like, I, 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 re- I kind of remember what it was like to not be connected, but like, it's so hard to remember because now I am. And I think God desires it to be that way. It's like, you know, pain, it may last through the night, but joy comes in the morning. I think that's how God, I don't know, I think that's how God does it. But when there is an opportunity to share as sons, as daughters, being made right with God, when there's an opportunity to give, to share, uh, tithing at the church, encouraging someone, whatever, my mentality should go from, oh, I have to do this to I get to do this. It should never be, oh, I have to go down to the church and serve. It should be like, I get to. What an honor and a privilege. It's the difference of being a slave versus a son. A slave does it because they have to. As sons and daughters, we should do things because we get to. And it has nothing to do with being right with God. It's because we are right with God that we get to do it. Let's pray. Oh, Father, I just... I bless you. I I thank you, Lord, for your overwhelming grace. I ask, Lord, that in in our time, in our day, God, you would make yourself known. I pray, Lord, that each one of us would be uh, people who would live for the glory of your name. God, I pray that we would uh, live out this justification by faith through grace in you alone, Jesus. Lord, that you are the reason we are made right. You are the reason that we can even come before you in prayer as we do now. We thank you for that gift, Lord, and I thank you for each son and daughter in this place, Lord. I pray that you would bring each one of us into a greater experience of your presence, Lord, that we would know you as Father. We wouldn't just know you as this abstract God who is far away, God, but that you are actually closer than our skin. Lord, we thank you today for the truth of your word. Lord, I pray that our time of wrestling with your word would just be increased, Lord, but would lead to fruitfulness in the body and encouragement, Lord. And I pray that there would be a sense of humility that is in the body today, Lord, as we um, just thank you for your word. We thank you for your grace. And I bless you in Jesus' name. Amen.